Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, Attorney Kim Hegwood with Hegwood Law Group and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Good morning, I'm Kim Hegwood with Life Happens and our special guest today is Greg Shelley. Uh, Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. It's good to be here. Perfect. And um, can you tell the uh, our viewers and listeners um, what you do? Yeah, I'm Greg Shelley. I'm the program manager for uh, the managing local ombudsman for the Harris County uh, Long-Term Care Ombudsman Program. We're uh, housed over at Sizzik School of Nursing at UT Health. And uh, the short answer of what an ombudsman is, is that we're advocates for the folks who live in nursing homes and licensed assisted living facilities. Well, I'm glad you said that because that would have been my next question because a lot of people probably have no idea what you do. And so how does one get into doing that sort of thing? Yeah, I discovered it myself about 11 years ago uh, in a little snippet in the newspaper and uh, started out as a volunteer like uh, many of us do in this. and ended up learning that it's something I probably would have been doing for a career much earlier if my high school counselor had talked me about it. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so volunteering is typically the way that folks get introduced to the long-term care uh, ombudsman. And uh, although some of our staff uh, didn't have that kind of background before, and I myself, having been with the program almost 11 years, um, came from an operations management background Um, And I didn't even know the difference between Medicaid and Medicare when it came on. So really uh, folks who have a compassionate heart, uh, uh, empathy to give and are pretty good at problem solving. um, uh, That's pretty much the basic skill set you need to be a good ombudsman. Yeah, well, I've met a lot of really good ones. And so so it's just, you know, y'all do such an important job. So it's really, really so glad to have you. So the big thing right now is, is that, um, families can visit their loved ones. Is that correct? Well, yeah, like uh, the initial excitement from a little over a week ago when that was announced, uh, I think expectations were much higher than what they really are. We're only a little over a week into this new process that essentially has removed the previous phases of visitation and is now requiring nursing homes to allow two essential caregivers that that can be defined typically by the resident or their legally authorized representative. So, um, and unlike the previous situations where it was pretty much up to the nursing homes, whether or not they wanted to allow the visitation, this new uh, visitation requirement uh, says that they're mandated to allow these unless there's some kind of clinical reason that they, they can't. And typically the only acceptable reason would be if the resident in question actually has COVID-19 at the time. But it is a huge step forward and one in the right direction. I say in fairness to most of the facilities, uh, they're still trying to sort through all the different uh, messages that are out there. Um, and that's something that the ombudsman program has also been helpful to help you know, distribute the right information to the folks and help them decipher what's going on and really help the facilities uh, uh, cut through some of it and uh, uh, work as you know, an advocate for the end product, which is to get folks in to see their loved ones. And uh, more importantly, from the resident's perspective, them getting their right back to visitation of some form. Unfortunately, on the assisted living side, uh, the assisted living uh, 
folks are not required to allow it, but fortunately many of them are um, eagerly participating in it. Well, that's good because, uh, you know, since, you know, the pandemic really kind of hit in March, a lot of family members hadn't been able to see their family members at all. And so you see a lot of things on the news about, you know, depression and broken heart syndrome and things like that. Um, have you been able to go back into the nursing homes now? We have, as of uh, August, our state ombudsman allowed us to uh, return to outdoor visitation. And at the beginning of September, we were allowed to return to indoor uh, visitation. Uh, that's still nothing near what we used to do in terms of quantity, but it's uh, really exciting for us because the heartbreak in terms of being an ombudsman is not to be that extra set of eyes and ears inside the buildings. And, um, and we know all too well that having loved ones uh, directly involved in your care, uh, you know, is, is a definite plus. And when they're not able to get in either, uh, I, you know, it's a safe assumption that uh, there's some things getting missed in terms of uh, additional oversight lacking. Have you seen um, patients that are in the nursing home that before COVID started that you saw and you see them now, do you see a difference in them uh, as far as um, health-wise or just really more of a mental health wise? Withdrawal. I, I haven't directly, um, I have heard from the other ombudsman who typically uh, visit once a week to the same facility pre-pandemic. And uh, so they had a lot of close relationships with folks. The folks that I am familiar with uh, from my limited visitation um, are folks that have been really active before and continue to be uh, they FaceTime with me and uh, they have access to technology and all that. So not necessarily folks who are living with uh, advanced dementia of any kind. Others have reported it. As a matter of fact, one of the ombudsman's making a window visit to someone that that's they've noticed in the voice of the individual over the last several weeks and particularly what sounds like um, depression and, and more isolation uh, results. Well, we're hoping now that people can start to go back in and see their loved ones, that that will help. Um, because I, I think from as an elder law perspective, we think that's the, probably one of the worst things that could have happened was to isolate them. Because you, as you age, you want them to be around people because it's very difficult to be by yourself. And, and, um, and I can't imagine being trapped in a room you know, for months on end. I think that would have probably made me just a little crazy. And so... Um, I know that's been so difficult for them. And it's been painful for folks on all sides. I would say that the number one issue that we've dealt with as ombudsman has related to um, these restrictions on visitation. And uh, when we do our training, I always like to celebrate the fact that under normal circumstances, residents in nursing homes and assisted living actually have more rights than you and I do. But uh, not necessarily the case right now because for the most part, they've had their true visit rights to visitation taken away. And even with these new rules, there's a whole lot of uh, restrictions on them in terms of when, uh, when and where the visits take place, uh, something that wasn't previously in place. Other new restrictions, are visitors allowed to go into the rooms? Are they bringing them to a larger area? What, what kind of restrictions are you seeing now? 
You know, one of the earlier uh, visitation, as they called it, phase one visitation efforts, um, it's related to what's going on in the community too. And here in Harris County, we've had, as the community transmission has gone down, so has the effect on the number of nursing homes. And last I checked, we were somewhere around 40% of nursing homes with a, at least one positive case. Um, in late June, there was a about 93% of the nursing homes had a positive case. So it's good to see that progress. Um, and so as a result, we had a lot of assisted livings, for instance, doing phase one visitation, which included indoor visits in cases where they had an approved plexiglass uh, divider. Um, that has now been moved uh, under these new rules uh, to nursing homes. So they can have these essential caregivers to designated ones they are supposed to do their visits in the room with the resident. Uh, but there's additional uh, opening for other visitors uh, as long as they have a approved plexiglass uh, setup, or in many cases, as the weather has gotten nicer, able to do outdoor visitation or open window visitation where you're on opposite sides of it. But that is definitely a step in the right direction. Yes, and uh, we keep praying that it's going to continue to to go that way, and you know, and things are going to get back to get back to normal because nobody <laughs> likes what they consider this new normal stuff. Post pandemic, so, that's right. <laughs> yes, we just want to pretend that twenty twenty didn't exist and just keep right on going. <laughs> and um, so, are you requiring flu shots? We do not. Uh, we strongly encourage them, uh, and uh, I myself. Got mine in August. Uh, I used to wait till later, but my physician convinced me a couple years ago that, yep, yeah, might as well get it early. And uh, I encourage them to do it. Of course, you know, nursing home staff, uh, those folks are uh, required to get their flu shots. We, as part of our training, um, we strongly encourage folks to do it. And we always have been monitoring symptoms of illness, even pre-pandemic. Uh, and strongly advising that we don't go near a nursing home if we are not feeling well, because we all know that the flu and things like that can uh, have horrible effects on someone with underlying conditions and not to mention advanced age. Yes, that, that I can appreciate. And so um, are y'all looking for more people to be um, part of your program? Absolutely. That's that's an always and never ending. Uh, I'm happy to say we currently have 75 uh, volunteers in our program, uh, which is absolutely vital, given the fact that we have 103 nursing homes and 295 assisted living facilities to cover and currently are a staff of eight. So we get stretched pretty thin, as you might imagine. And that goes back to what I was talking about a little while ago is that the volunteers who typically visit a single facility for at least two hours a week uh, end up having really uh, the qualitative visits, if you will, where they get to build relationships with all kinds of folks and get to spend some real good quality time. Some volunteers turn it into kind of a part-time job. And if they can be productive in that sense, they they spend a lot more than the two hours a week in, in facilities. And some even choose to visit more than one uh, in some, some instances. So we do three trainings a year. Um, 
uh, typically those are classroom trainings, but here during the pandemic, we've learned how to do it via WebEx over a series of weeks uh, and try to try to limit uh, the effects of doing WebEx study to just two hours a week for a six week period to get them through the classroom parts of training. And right now, the majority of work that's being done by volunteers uh, involves what we call information and assistance to residents, their families, and even facility staff about everything from uh, ways to get better care, uh, ways to give better care, uh, resident rights, uh, and the resident rights one is is a big one uh, ongoing. And the two, like I said, the biggest uh, concerns or the most frequent callers are about uh, limits on visitation and currently on deciphering the new uh, visitation rules. And then the second one is one that hasn't really changed much due to the pandemic, uh, and that's involuntary discharge, which is a big topic that we help folks deal with. And that is one where residents actually have pretty good uh, rights to protect them, at least in the nursing home side of things. So. Yeah, well, that's important. And so, and um, and there's a very long link to volunteer. So that, that link will be in the show notes. And, um, and so, so you all have that. And, um, and so how many volunteers would you like to have? I, well, I, I, I don't know that there is a, a definitive number, but at least 103 to cover each nursing home uh, on a weekly basis. That would certainly be a nice number to have. Okay, so we're looking for 28 more right now, people that can just sign up and, and come on board and, you know, and help those that, that truly need the help the most. You know, I mean, our job is to take care of the elderly and give them the best quality of life that we can give them. Um, and so because that to me, that's important, um, you know, and what I do and, and, and how we approach, you know, um, elder law planning and things like that. And so uh, I'm hoping that uh, that, you know, people will see you on the show and they'll come volunteer um, because hey. I think it's really important. Um, I noticed um, there's uh, one of our big volunteers uh, that's part of the National Association of Elder Law Attorneys. She's retiring. And, um, and so she's been really good and informative, you know, for a lot of attorneys throughout the state, you know, and, and helping us as well for things that, you know, that we need somebody a little bit more on the inside, you know, to kind of help, you know, navigate for, you know, for clients that are in the nursing home. So super, super excited, you know, that, um, that you're on today and hopefully we can get you some more volunteers and get some more people coming in um, and helping you. And so, yeah, I'd like to mention with the volunteer side of things, um, as we've you know, kind of uh, shared the journey through the pandemic uh, together, we've gotten, I'm, I'm happy to say that no one's chosen to leave the program. There's no pressure on them to make any visits themselves. Most of that's being done from the staff side, but folks who are comfortable with it are choosing to do outdoor visits, mostly window visits right now. Um, and uh, we are definitely a volunteer driven program. So, uh, we make it work for you if uh, you want to join the team and go through the training. And uh, how long is the training? You said you're doing it uh, basically WebEx now. How long is the training? It's it's 36 total hours of an internship over 60 days. Um, and outside of the scheduled WebExes uh, that are two hours at a time over a six-week period, uh, the rest is, is at your leisure, essentially. Uh, there's quite a bit of self-study from a manual that we provide. Um, folks like to ask if there's any charge for the training and absolutely not other than time and energy that you have to put into it. So. 
And so perfect, perfect. And so, well, uh, I'm super excited that um, that you've been on the show today. There's a lot of information, and um, and so we look forward to hopefully helping you uh, recruit some more volunteers. And if there's something you can you need from my end, you know, never hesitate to to reach out. Um, you know, because this is uh, very important in in what we do. And so, and I just wanted to thank you today for coming on the show. And is there um, is there a phone number maybe that if somebody can reach you if they want to? Yeah, the easiest way to get a hold of any of us is to call our main line at 713-500-9931. And if I may, one thing I would like to add about the Ombudsman program itself is to help people understand our role. I, I generally say we're problem solvers. So if you're just trying to fix a problem or get information, uh, you call the Ombudsman. If you're trying to get someone in trouble for something, that's the long-term care regulation side of it. And we're, we're not the enforcement, but we can help folks navigate that, uh, that as well if they need. And one of the most uh, beloved aspects of being a long-term care ombudsman is the fact that we are um, not mandatory reporters of abuse, neglect, and exploitation because we are under federal rule to follow the consent and direction of the residents. And that leaves them empowered and in control no matter what happens. So the good thing about that is a lot of folks fear that that means some things aren't getting reported. In general, what it means is folks know that they can confide in us and a lot more ends up getting reported as a result of it because they understand the process after talking to us. Perfect. Perfect. I'm so glad that you added that stuff because I think it's really important for our listeners to know. And so and just want to thank you for coming on the show. And um, if there's anything else we can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out and, um, and we'll see you, talk to you again soon. Thank you so much, Kim. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcast as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice.